For eight years, I lived in Columbus, Ohio, where I was working in campus ministry at the Ohio State University. And one of the suburbs just outside of Columbus is a charming little town called Gehenna. <laughs> and every time we hit this gospel, there was always that temptation. You know, don't get thrown into Gehenna. Have you ever noticed how the longer human beings have been around, the harder it is for us to make the right choices? It seems like there are just more rules all the time. Start with Adam and Eve. Basically, one rule. Don't eat from that tree. So they ate it. Then there's Ten Commandments. How long was it before all of those were broken? A few weeks. And before you know it, we've got Leviticus and the rest of the Hebrew Scriptures presenting us with 614 laws. So now we're down to rules like don't eat pork, lobster, or eagles, and don't trim the edges of your beard, and don't wear clothes made of blended fibers. How many of you are doing that this morning with your cotton polyester blends? It just doesn't work. As long as our relationship with God is based on keeping rules, we are always going to be in trouble. Part of our human nature is sinful, and it draws us to break the rules. That's original sin. In today's reading from Sirach, if you don't read more of the context than they give us in the lectionary, you might be tempted to believe that our compliance with all the rules is simply an act of will. Before you are life and death, water and fire. So choose. Well, it's more than a simple choice for one or the other. Part of our fallen nature draws us towards the wrong and the evil. To say the good and evil are balanced and we just have to pick one is a heresy called Pelagianism. We tend to do wrong unless we are influenced by God's grace. And that is why our relationship with God can't simply be based on rules. The rules in themselves just tend to point out our inadequacies. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is trying to teach his people that something more is required of them than simply obeying the rules. He says very clearly he's not come to abolish the law, but to complete it. And so he takes a series of the laws and reshapes them. You have this commandment, but I say to you this. And he's not saying that just to make the rules harder. That is not the point. The point is what happens inside of us matters. Our intent, our conscience, all of it matters. If we carry out all the precepts of the law and do it without love, it means nothing. I can't tell you the number of times that people have come up to me and said, I've kept all the Ten Commandments my whole life, so I know I'm going to heaven. As if... Driving all day without a speeding ticket would somehow guarantee you're going to get to your destination. What about the direction that the car's headed? Think that might be important at some point? The law is never going to be enough to save us. And the more we immerse ourselves in rules, regulations, and legalities, the more we deceive ourselves that God is somehow satisfied with our technicalities. That's what this business of swearing and oaths is all about. 
If we are a people of integrity and we live by the truth and we say yes when we mean yes and no when we mean no. And God knows the truth doesn't change whether you're talking to your spouse or in public or in front of a grand jury, for example. The truth doesn't change depending on your definition of particular words. There is little hope for us if our only hope is in the rules, the law, the commandments. Fortunately, we have a Savior who doesn't abolish the law, but instead calls us, each and every one, to live lives of integrity. In the end, we'll be evaluated not on our compliance, nor on our accuracy, but on our love. Our shortcomings before the rules and regulations and commandments are forgiven. Jesus died and rose so that those things could be forgiven. When we live lives of love, we open ourselves in humility to receive that forgiveness and to show that forgiveness to others. And this is the important way that Christianity differs from the religions that came before it. Our faith is essentially relational. We call God Father not because God has gender, but because the word expresses a loving relationship of trust, honor, and dependence. Jesus is our brother and we are his disciples. And the Holy Spirit dwells in us because God's love overflows into us. We are members of the body of Christ because we are interconnected in love. This is our core identity as believers, as human beings. Rules and laws and commandments are important, but they do not define us as Christians. Instead, we are defined by the relationship of love that we have with God and with our neighbors.